0: You're listening to the Girls on the Grid Podcast with Taneira and Priya. Welcome back to the Girls on the Grid Podcast. This is episode 29 and my name is Tanae McLeod. And this week I am joined by a friend of mine who I met while I was racing motocross. So she's another moto girl. Sorry, not sorry. And she's gone on to do some really, really cool things in the desert racing. And, you know, we speak about how she went over and raced motocross internationally and just some really cool experiences at a national level when we were younger. So it's a really fun chat. I somehow managed to get her to talk about how she wants to do, think, uh, Toby Price style. And she speaks about how she just finished Fink this year doing the Iron Man, which, which is going up to Fink in a buggy, choppering back to Alice Springs, going from Alice back up to Fink on the bike, staying overnight, and then going back on the buggy, choppering back from Alice back up to Fink and then getting on the bike and going back to Alice, which actually hurts my brain to explain. So you could imagine what Denny went through actually doing it. It's a really fun chat and that is coming up on this week's episode of Girls on the Grid. And next week's episode 30 and we're trying to pull together a really cool guest. So stay tuned for that. We appreciate all your support so far and let's get straight into the episode. And Danielle Foote, welcome to the Girls on the Grid podcast. Hey, how's it going? So Danielle, me and you go back a little bit. We are, uh, we've been kicking around for a while. Can you tell our listeners how we actually know each other? I was actually thinking about this today.
1: Um, Athen 2014. Is that 2014 I Yep. Aussie titles. Got some memories there, don't we?
0: <laughs> Danielle is a moto girl. She's not of the car racing type. So we could just geek out a little bit over two wheels and you guys are just going to have to endure it. But I promise that we'll talk about some four-wheel stuff in here at some point. 2014 Appen. So for anyone who doesn't know, motocross, you have like, you race locally, like club events, you have your local club, and then you can race state events, which is whatever state you're from. So I raced in New South Wales a lot. Danielle raced a lot in Victoria. And then once a year, as a junior, they have this big week-long event. It's usually in September, and it's at a track Anywhere in Australia, sometimes it was in Western Australia, sometimes it was in Vic, sometimes it was Queensland. 2014 was my last year as a junior, which meant I was 16 and it was in Appen, which is in New South Wales, a little bit inland from Sydney, I believe, maybe a little bit down as well. And the 2014 Aussie titles was an epic week. I'd never met Danielle before, but let's just say she was a lot better than me on a bike. (laughs) Oh, I remember it was
1: pretty crazy. Um, it was my first national win. So I was pretty stoked on that and we had some mad battles. Yeah, you were you're a badass that week. I was um having the time of my life. I was and we had some good battles too. Like um I remember some there were some girls from New Zealand, obviously Australia all around Australia. But um yeah, we had some mad battles in the one two five class, which I was loving. But yeah, it's National's week is always a wild week, so it was pretty fun.
0: Especially when you're when fun. you're like fifteen, sixteen. You're just like living the dream. You had know, to get to go race your bike for a week on this cool track. I actually remember this funny story. Do you remember Grace Rowe? Yes. Yes. <laughs> she crashed that week. <laughs> yeah, she crashed. But get this right, on like the day before we started racing, we walked the track together. And like I'm I'm like a huge I'm into like weird shit and I like love superstitions and love like star signs and all that stuff. Cause it just interests me. And Grace said to me, she goes, you know, I've never broken a bone cause we we're talking about all our like bone breaks and stuff. And I'm like, touch wood. And she goes, what? I'm like, you got to touch wood when you say you've never done something. Otherwise it'll happen. She goes, no, nah, I don't believe in all that stuff. That's just silly. I'm like, all right, then literally the next day, she comes off her bike and breaks her arm. <laughs>
1: So she was young. I did the exact same thing. I was, the first bone I broke, I was 12. And I was um saying that to the boys. I was like, oh, never broken a bone, bone bloody mad. Next, next minute, literally <laughs> bit me in the ass.
0: <laughs> I remember riding past her and she's like stuck in a tree or something crazy. And I'm like, ha suck it. <laughs> I wasn't really, I was actually concerned, but you know, it was, yeah, it was just yeah. kind of funny. So then she was out for that whole week. It was just the best. Yeah, I think we had like eight races. I mean, you went and won the thing. I finished, I think I finished fifth on my 85 and sixth on my 250, which, I mean, little flex. I was actually kind of stoked with that.
1: Yeah. Oh, especially for a national. That's mad.
0: Yeah, it was such, it was such a good week. And it's still my claim to fame. When everyone asks me about my results on a bike, I don't ever talk about anything that happened once I went senior because it just went shit. I just talk about that, you know. I just rewind to 2014 and say, yeah, I was fifth best in Australia, mate. You know? yeah glory days glory days it'll it'll be like 25 years down the line and I'll still be saying
1: yeah I'm probably the same 2015 was my was my
0: peak (laughs) but unlike me you've actually continued to ride and you've gone on to do some really cool stuff but before we get into that I want to go back to the beginning and I want to talk about where your love of motocross come from because it's not a it's not like a soccer or a football where, you know, everyone does it. It's pretty niche. So how did you get into the sport?
1: Um, yeah, it was actually pretty wild. I mean, most people that are involved in motocross and, um, or motorsports in general always have some family member or a friend or something that's been involved that sort of helps them pave the way to that sport. But I was a bit different. My, I mean, we had farm bikes and everything like that. Um, and I, we just had a holiday house down, um, in the Otways where I'm from. And, um, yeah, and dad just used to take me on the quads around the paddock and, and on the farm bikes every weekend when we went down there and I loved it. And then, um, we used to have a track down here, breakwater. Um, it's closed down now, like everything else down here, but, um, and I remember driving past, I was like, that looks so cool. Like by that, I had a peewee 50 by then. So Um, and I was, uh, seven. So, um, I was on a peewee back then and I, um, did a few races when I was about seven there and then that shut down. Um, then we just, I just loved it. And Dad was like, all right, we'll just find the next track. And so we raced at Barrable for about, I want to say till 2012, I reckon. So yeah, I just loved it. And having Barrable as the sickest track ever to train at and ride at. Um, really helped the motivation met a few friends I just loved it and dad absolutely loved having his daughter (laughs) racing motocross I think he was more stoked about it and um, he just put heaps of time into it and obviously like most of us we wouldn't have been gotten anywhere without the families traveling and everything like that so um, he took me everywhere and put in a heap of time doing what I loved and I And if I wasn't doing that, I was harping on it, saying, let's go racing. Um, And then, yeah, just did as much riding as I can, did some coaching with um, Jates Oates. He helped out heaps. And, um, yeah, and then we ended up, I think I was just on a whim. My first national was uh, Murray Bridge in 2011. Um, My birthday is just before nationals every year. So we were like, oh, we're on a new bike first race on a big wheel let's make it an Aussie (laughs) and I went actually pretty good I was for my first race on it I went um I was getting about third against some pretty quick girls but I had some mechanical issues every week's every race which was annoying so I was like oh this is actually fun like I'm I'm going all right I'm actually not too bad at this yeah (laughs) yeah literally I was like oh this is i'm doing all right if i keep at it I i reckon i can i can make something out of it and then yeah just kept at it until Akam was my first national so week was pretty special because dad said if you win and like if you win the national we'll we'll see how you go over in the u.s the following year so um i bet he was kicking himself after that <laughs> did you did you go over Yeah, yeah. So we raced the Loretta Lins the following year, which is pretty cool. And what was that
0: like? Oh, that's nuts. It's like next level over there. (laughs) I loved it. So for those that are pretty new to motocross, the Loretta Lins is like the junior, the junior's kind of stage to really show off to the pro team. So similar to like in motorsport, like circuit racing, you have Super 2 where a lot of drivers go into that to sort of prove themselves up against the competition if they want to get into supercars. Loretta Lynn's is that kind of platform for young riders, um, you know, all juniors from really young kids on 65s through to 85s, 250s, all that stuff before they go senior. There's a lot of scouting happening at Loretta Lynn's and people just try it, like big teams try to identify, you know, who's next and who they're going to put their factory sport behind to take them through the ranks. So what's it like? like I haven't heard much about what the girls side of things are, at Loretta Lynns. Tell us about your experience.
1: Yeah, um, they have four classes, four or five for the women's. Um, so you've got your young girls class, which was nine to 13, nine to 12. Um, and then the next one, which I was in, which was 12 to 16 um, for the 85s. And then you've got two, let's just say big wheel, we call it big wheel down here, but two um, bigger classes, which is uh, six, uh, 14 plus. And then you've got 16 plus. So 16 plus was more like the pro women. So there is a, uh, the women that are on teams already and just love is because it's next level. But, um, yeah, so I was in the 14 plus on my 125 and the 12 to 16 on the super mini. Which is an 85. Yeah, 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 yeah. How'd you go? <laughs> I ended up getting uh, third in the 14 plus, which is the 125 which I that blew me out of the water I did not expect that we were really focusing on the super mini which um yeah which I was going all right in I got sixth um overall for the week but I had a a crash in my first moto um with a lapper so which put me back a fair bit but um it's similar layout to the nationals down here like it's a week of racing basically and um bit lot just longer motos we were doing like 30 minutes <laughs>
0: far out that is a long time on a motorbike
1: yeah yeah but no i thought it was so cool and the biggest thing over there was just climatizing for it like it's so humid and it was it was in july the national so it's summer and it's just next level like i remember i had to go buy some gear over there cuz all my my gear was winter and i was sweating bullets it was ne- it was crazy so I walked into the store and I was like, I need gear that's like not even class's gear. I just need something so vented that it won't protect me at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, but just so you could breathe and just so your body could breathe while you're on the bike for that long. Like 30 minutes on a motorbike is ridiculous. Motocross, yeah. like when I used to do a moto, my, like I did 10, 10, maybe 15 minute motos, which is like five or six laps. And my heart rate was 180, 190 beats per minute for that entire time. To maintain oh, that, to maintain that for 30 minutes, the level of fitness you have to be at is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, oh, 100%. And that's why I say I was I peaked at
0: 2015 because <laughs> I was so All downhill, fit. all downhill <laughs> from there. Yeah, I was so, so fit enough. in 2014. I was so <laughs> fit. I look back on photos of, like, when I got my L's and when I was at Appen, and I'm like, what the hell happened? <laughs> Life happened.
1: Yeah, exactly. Turned senior and apparently – you have to turn into an adult and do adult stuff <laughs> mate I tell
0: you what the fresher five at university turned into like the fresher 15 and I still haven't recovered <laughs> just got me good eh <laughs> the realization yeah, yeah. the realization that you actually have to cook for yourself and like it's hard work to cook veggies and stuff and you just end up eating chicken fingers and like hot chips every day oh yeah just doesn't yeah. it just doesn't end well um...
1: Yeah, you go from YouTubing like motos and stuff to YouTubing how to cook potatoes. 100%. How
0: long do I cook (laughs) carrot for? (laughs) Literally. I'm doing that now still. Oh, man. It's not good. It's not good. I just live off the same three meals. I learned how to make a really good bolognese and I just make that bolognese once every two weeks, make enough for two weeks and I just eat it all the time. because I just know how to make it. I know it's got lots of veggies in it. It's just easy. I've got like five pre-made bolognese in my fridge right now to get me through the rest of the week.
1: <laughs> it's it's That's called adulting. Oh, really? Is it?
0: <laughs> Shit. Yeah, <laughs> I don't
1: know. I would, I'm probably the furthest from an adult, but yeah, I'm, I, I'd say that's adulting. <laughs>
0: All right. So let's talk about what happened after Loretta Lynn's. You come back, race in Australia yep. for a little bit more, but you kind of switched your focus. You went more the desert racing sort of thing. How did that come about?
1: Yeah, so I um I still had one year oh Actually, 2015 was my last year in uh, juniors. So I um come back and we won two more nationals that year um up at Bunbury, which is pretty cool. Um and yeah, the following year 2016, uh, we um I had a friend Evan who did think, um and he was like, oh, and my coach at the time Sean also raced Fink for a few years that my, um, dad sponsored. So he, um, sort of said, Oh, like you'd love this. I did had it for a few years, um, from 2011 actually too. So I love the desert stuff. And, um, and he's like, you'd, you'd go well. And I was like, yeah, righto. let's just, let's just give it a crack. And, and, um, yeah, we went up there pre-running and I absolutely love it. There's something about Fink and the atmosphere and everything like that. And it just got me hooked. And, It's been, it was my sixth year, um, this year and, um, yeah, we, I don't know if I'm going to do it next year. I keep telling people that I'm not doing it next year, but who knows, it comes around to entries and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'm keen again. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I just think it's, it's nothing like anything else. Um, it's nothing like nationals. It's nothing like motocross. It's even harder. It's so different and they're both desert races, but they're still so different and, um, Yeah, I just love it. I love I love the fast fast high speed just absolutely sending it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And that's literally what you do. Yeah. Like four hundred kilometres, isn't it? Or something one way, four hundred kilometers. Yeah,
1: so Fink um is two thirty to from Alice to Fink on day one and then the next day you turn around and go from Fink to Alice. So Um my average this year was about ninety Ks an hour. That's
0: crazy. We're, we're,
1: yeah, we're, we're on the stopper.
0: <laughs> and you're on a motorbike too. Like, so there's no, roll, no yeah. roll cages. Like, if you come off, you're coming off at 90 k's an hour. It's like driving a car yeah. at 90km an hour with no protection, like a convertible or something and not even that. Like, if you come off, you're in a lot of trouble.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I've been pretty lucky to not have some crazy crashes up
0: there. Did you I have a couple of collarbone. moments where like everything goes in slow motion and you're like, oh, oh yeah. no, oh yeah, oh no, this yeah. is this is what death is. This it's it's coming. <laughs> Life was oh, yeah. good. Oh yeah. See you
1: later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I've had. Well, I broke my collarbone one year, um, in the race, and that was. It wasn't actually that crazy. The crash, which is pretty boring but I've had some massive ones where I've walked off and I'm like how did I survive that like that was so fast and I hit the ground so hard and just like bounced up so my bike was in worse
0: shape than I was (laughs) so I've never done Fink, nor have I been up there it looks amazing and I want to go one year but I went last year I went to Alice Springs for a side-by-side um event like a round of the side-by-side Australia Championship And there's a track that is actually along the Fink Trail in Alice where you guys start. And the Fink Trail goes straight past like the entry to this track. I don't know what it's called. but Yeah, the Buggy Club. The Buggy Club, yeah. A bigger buggy racetrack out behind that. And I was there for work. And I had to go and just film these side-by-sides. And obviously, the track was huge. And one of the boys, actually Jackson Evans, who is the son of Simon Evans, a rally champion, and he now races in the side-by-side championship sponsored by King Chrome. He's like, oh, just go take my KDM. Like go and – because it would have been like two or three Ks to go and get this really cool angle of footage. And they come up in this big bus and put his KDM 500, I think, in the bus. And he goes, oh, just go take this just so you can get out there. And he's like, I know you ride. Like I know you're going to be fine. And just – I just couldn't help myself, but – ride on the fink track and there was actually people doing sprints it was a couple of months before fink and there was people up there tr- like training and trialing and and testing the track which i actually don't think you're supposed to do but people do it anyways yeah so i'm along there just riding along just the normal like the the road car one and on the way back i'm like hmm, hmm. i stopped and saw like these spectators and they're like go on the track i'm like what? They're like, go on the think track. Like, how many opportunities will you get to ride Think and not actually have to commit to do the 460 kilometers, like, just to have a bit of fun? I'd not ridden a bike for, like, three years at yeah. this point, and I'm like, yeah. I'm going to be sketchy, like, as all hell. I'm also carrying, like, a tripod and a camera pack on my back, and I'm on a 500cc bike, and I'm just like, hmm, this could end very badly, but also this could be a heck of a lot of fun. So I've like jumped off the road car track and like gone over this little like hump thing and jumped onto the fink track and there's like bikes coming. There'd be a, there would have been a bike every two or three minutes. So I'm like hmm, <laughs> just kicked it into like second. I'm like third, fourth, fifth, and just like like hooning along this track. Like I've got like a, tri- a a tripod hanging out my back and this camera case like flapping in the wind. I'm wearing high vis and I'm in like track pants. <laughs> it was, it was so sick. It was so cool. And that is my only Fink story. That's all I've got. But let's talk yeah, about your Fink yeah. story. So you're, the f- you're the youngest female to ever compete and complete the Fink desert race. Let's go back to 2016. Yeah. Let's talk about that year. What was that like for you? And, you know, what was the first experience like at Fink? How'd the race go?
1: Um, we did good the first year. I think we got fourth in the 252 stroke class. Um, so we had no expectations going up there. We were just having fun, um, seeing how it is, seeing if I even like it. Um, and yeah, we did well. I loved it. Um, it was a massive eye-opener. Like the amount of organisation, the amount of effort that goes into that race to do well um is next level like it, it, from fueling to getting your bike there to getting you there to getting your fuel stops all organized so you've got to have at least what I want to say four people at least up there to help you fuel um so you fuel basically every 80k so you got your start from Alice Springs you go to 80k um fuel first there and then one sixty K's and then fuel and then to think obviously fuel stay over the night and then do the same thing on the way back. So you need people there to, you know, fuel your bike, fuel you and I didn't really expect that. Like I I knew had a had, is sorta of the same concept, like you're doing laps and everything like that. But um when you're out there you're sort of on your own. Like you've got bikes and everything around you but you're in the middle of nowhere like you're racing and you're looking for spectators and there's a good like 40 50 k's with no one out there just you and the other riders and um as a 16 year old I was like this is crazy like I'm doing 150 down this track and (laughs) no one's around like um but unlike blokes I have my head screwed on and I'm like I ride within my means (laughs) some of them just go out there and send it but um but yeah I think the first year was a massive eye-opener and I got I got the fink fever and I just went back and after getting fourth in the first year I was like oh hang on I can I'm I'm in for a podium like I could have a real crack at this and then for the last six years that's what we've been doing so (laughs) just having a crack at it
0: yeah, that's cool. And what about this year? So this year you did the infamous Iron Man, which Toby Price is known for, you know, doing and just making it look way too easy. Tell me about that whole experience. So you raced the bike from Alice to Fink, got in a chopper, come back, then got in the buggy and went Alice to Fink, and then did the same thing but Fink to Alice via the chopper and like there is actually there's not much time between those two things like you actually have to get a chopper to be able to make that journey back just to have them start was one you know was doing it once not enough why do you want to do it twice I
1: know even you saying it is confusing me and I did it (laughs) I don't even know how I'm like, hang on, wait, what? Yeah, (laughs) Um, that's what you did though. (laughs) I know. We were literally on the day sitting there like this is a logistic nightmare. Like it's not going to work. This is not going to work. If it doesn't work, whatever, like we gave it a good crack and we were just sitting there still trying to work out if we're going to make it to the chopper in time. Oh, sorry, make it to the start in time for the bike as I'm lining up for the cars. Like, and it wasn't until we were about, oh, I want to say, like 80%, 85% of the way to think in the cars that I was like, we've actually got a fair bit of time up our sleeves. Like, we'll be fine. This chopper, the guy, um, um, oh, I've gone blank with the chopper pilot. Can't remember now, but um, he... Just had to send it, and I said that running into the chopper when we um got to the finish in the cars, I said I'm like you need to send it like because I was running late anyways, and everyone was stressing at home because they didn't they didn't know what was going on. Um, I started it was a bit confusing, but I basically had to get to Alice Springs as fast as I could in the buggy, um, to give me more time on the way back to get to my start time. So I wasn't starting so far back, um, but we're not Toby Price. So <laughs> as much as it would have been so much easier um, if we were Toby Price, um, we're not. So we started about 117th, I think, which isn't too bad, um, in the K&M on day one. Um, and we had 15 minutes to get to my start time by the time we finished
0: That's to the <laughs> bike. And you're you're like wrecked already from being in the buggy, right. surely. No, I was cruising. I really? Was like, That's easy. Yeah. Far <laughs> yeah. out. That's awesome.
1: Although I shouldn't say that though, because it was like a massive headache the whole week. I was stressed all week. I had we were going like six AM to twelve PM every uh twelve AM every single day for a whole two weeks. Like just trying to organize everything. By the time I got to the race, I was like, "This is easy. This this is easy compared to what we've been doing the last week trying to organize everything."
0: So, yeah. And what was it? How'd you go on the bike? You were the first female home, I think, which is a pretty big feat in itself.
1: Yeah. So we got um first female home, but we also uh I also won the
0: two fifty two stroke class,
1: which is what we aim up aim to do up there. That's um. My biggest um, my biggest worry up there is just taking that class win. Um, and, yeah, I was sort of stressing about that more on the way home just because, or both times, but because I started, like, 400th, I had a lot of passing to do. And I'm passing, like, 100 and 150 people in the three hours that we're racing. Dust was crazy. Like, I couldn't see for a lot of the fast sections on the way back, which I know most people like the whole track's fast but there's a few spots where it's just on the stopper flat out for like three four k's and um in those areas I was like basically riding blind so I um I was stressing on the way home but we still managed to wrap it up and and get the win in that so I was pretty stoked and it didn't really sink in until um the next day when I realized what I just managed (laughs) and what we just achieved
0: yeah it's so cool um let's talk a little bit about the aorc so the australian off-road championship how did you get into racing in that obviously grew up racing motocross and off-road is very different to motocross although they're both you know off-road uh one's on a circuit and one is not on a circuit (laughs) that's the best way i can explain it. it's through the bush and We actually had Emma on, we had Emma Melesovic on and we spoke about like, she was like, I'm just going to hit this like I would on a motorbike track, just going over like logs and stuff. And she's like, that is not the way you do it. And I learned very fast that you don't hit a log the same way that you hit a tabletop or something like that. So what was your experience like, you know, transitioning across, I guess?
1: Yeah. So um, it was sort of a bit weird transitioning because we, my local dealer down here went from Huskies to Sherco. Um, and Sherco are known to be more of an enduro bike. So, um, we stayed loyal with them and we're like, we'll go on Husky, uh, a Sherco, sorry. And, um, we'll just, we built up a really good relationship with Derek Grundy, who is the mechanic manager for Sherco Australia. So we basically traveled around with them and there was no expectations. We were just doing it for fun. Didn't expect anything. I mean, we're racing against six times world champions. Back then, Gemma was still racing, Gemma Wilson um, and Jess Gardner um, and Emily Carlson. Like, they're all still racing. And I was like, this is going to be nuts. Like, they're so quick. And I went there, rocked up and they were like, hey, Danny. And I was like, what the Hell, like, how do you even know my name? Like what what is happening? You guys are crazy. You're like literally world champions, and you're just talking to this wannabe rock star. <laughs> and um and they were like so easy, like easygoing. And so my first round was um Gimpy in Queensland, which is a bit of a hike for someone who's first times doing it at the AORC. But um and yeah, I had a heap of fun. It was very different and it took a little bit to get used to it and um, turning around trees and not hitting every single tree on the track. Um, and I still to this day cannot hit a log. So I always hit the chicken run, which was very cowardly of me, but that's okay. Um, but, yeah, I had heaps of fun. And and um, I think the atmosphere um, really drew me to the injury side. I had a heap of fun with the girls. We all got along. Um, they were really encouraging. Like we walked the track. I walked the track with Jess, and she was just talking like I was a normal person. Not that I'm not, but um, I just thought it was really cool that they're world champions and they're so quick, and they're they're doing their own racing, and they just have time for for all these newbies. And um, yeah, it was really encouraging to go over to that side. Um, and yeah, everyone everyone in Enduro just knows if you're coming from road across, so that everyone made comments like, "Why are you putting your feet out?" Like, why are you putting your leg out to turn this corner? You don't need to. <laughs> and, like, why are you that far back? And why is your form so weird? And I just thought it was really funny. But, um, yeah, I had heaps of fun. We did AOC for, oh, it was a few years now, three or four years. So, yeah, we've got a
0: podium in one year, I think. There would have been so many bad habits that you had to unlearn from motocross.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, And aggression too. Like, straight for cross country, if you're doing, like, two, three hours, you don't need to go flat out for 10 minutes like you've got an hour and a half left you just need to relax and that took me a bit to get used to but
0: yeah imagine going flat out for 3 hours you wouldn't even make it
1: no oh i didn't make it in the 10 minutes
0: <laughs> outside of motocross what do you got going on what's your uh, you know what's your day to day like yeah so
1: the last couple years um my racing career hasn't been as crazy um I've worked full time straight out of school, so I graduated in twelve, went straight into full time work with my dad as a salesperson um, for Carpet Court. So I'm a desk chick for six days a week, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's basically what I do during the week. Um, and I just bought, oh, I bought a house back in twenty twenty, end of twenty twenty, um, and there that just went through, and we I just moved in. Um, Actually, the week before Fink, which was super, super good timing. But um, so, yeah, now I'm a homeowner, which is crazy. And um, that's taken over my life a bit. We're doing DIYs and furniture shopping and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I was sort of hoping to get back into motocross this year, um, which we've done sort of I'm um, in the Pro Max this year. Just having a bit of fun. Bought a bike, a motocross bike without a headlight. Um, and just i just love motocross it's it's in my blood i um i've been doing that forever and and i've tried enduro i love that but i think motocross is where i li- where i belong and i'm going to have a good crack next year hopefully this year was just a bit of fun mixed in with some desert racing but um yeah see how we go with time and work and everything like that and have a good crack with the girls up there
0: have you done any ProMix rounds this year
1: yeah, we did both rounds. I um, I went all right. <laughs> Not where I want to be, but um, my priority this year was think and Hatter. So this year at ProMix, I was sort of just doing it to fill the weekends in and, and have a bit of fun. I, I love motocross, so um, it was good to get back onto a track and, and
0: have some fun with the girls again. Are you feeling confident coming into Coolum in a couple of weeks? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I hate Coolum. Oh, man. I hate that track so much.
1: Oh, I've been on the bike once since Hadda, which is horrible. But it's just like there's so much going on when you're an adult. Like, it sounds <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> for it's sure. A, it's such a shit cop out. But this house has taken over my life. I'm just working flat out, trying to make up my annual leave from all the time off I had for thinking and Hadda. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, by the time I get to Sunday, I'm like, I don't even want to touch that bike. Yeah, you just
0: wrecked. Yeah,
1: I'm like, nah. But
0: Dude, I slept till midday today. Like, I got out of bed at midday. Don't even talk to me about adulting because I'm failing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you're me both. You're me both. <laughs> but I just think, I think motocross is supposed to sort of get me back out there. And I, I am loving it. And um, when I do have time, I get on the okay. bike and, that hasn't happened as much as I'd like to, but I'm, um yeah, I love sand. So Coolum is one of my favourite tracks, I won't lie. Do you grow up racing sand? I don't know. Not really. I mean, I live, I lived in um, in the Otways, so the back of the Otways, which is sandy, rocky, clay, like it's everything. So um, I don't know if you could call it sand, growing up in sand, but I don't know. I just find I gel with sand a bit better. I don't know if that helped with my ability in the sand, but I think I just have a bit more fun in the sand. I gel with it a little bit better,
0: which makes it so much easier. See, I grew up up on a hard pack track. Like my local track was like as hard pack as you get. Like unless it rained, you were getting nothing but just rocks and clay. and, And that really, really impacted my ability to race on pretty much anything other than that sort of hard, hard, rocky clay sort of stuff. And it wasn't until like I started doing go girls and, you know, state titles and all that stuff where there wasn't a whole lot of hard packed tracks. It was mostly Sandy or, you know, loamy stuff. And it, and then we did go girls once. And I think at the first round was at Coulomb and I finished like fourth or fifth and, you know, crashed in every race and it was just no good. Went to the next round at Tivoli and I literally like, blew them all away and they were like who is this chick like where is she been and then went to Roma the next round and I was nowhere again I was like this sucks
1: (laughs) I think too like because dad took me everywhere as a kid the variety in tracks was like a huge help like I wasn't ever riding on the same soil every weekend it was always something different
0: and that impacts like what you learn too and you've got it's actually a different riding style to ride sand as to ride hard packed or to ride yeah it's actually you've got to really change the way you ride yeah definitely no i um i think and
1: because it's so like it gets so rough too um it just you've just got to have a different stance i guess and basically send it over huge
0: throughout a whole track. My approach was I used to just ride a sand track the way I rode a hard pack track. Do you know how many times I fell off? Because you go into a rut, and if you ride a rut the same way you ride a hard pack rut, you end up eating shit like a whole face full of sand. Yeah. And it probably took me like five or six races on a sand track before I'm like, hang on a second, maybe I need to change something here.
1: And there is nothing worse than sand and gloves and sand everywhere. Like if you crash in the first couple laps, you've got the whole moto where you've just got sand absolutely everywhere. So I think my tactic was avoiding it
0: at all costs not to crash. Yeah, I didn't I didn't have that level of ability. I would just fall over and hope for the best. There was this one year there was this one year at Coolum where it rained for like eight days straight beforehand. I think it was maybe 2011 or 2012 or something like that. And I was on an 85 and I got like my bike stopped because it just couldn't handle the mud. Like it was that bad. And I got off my bike and my bike stood up. Like no one was holding it. And it just it stood up in the mud. I was like, what am I doing? Like, why, why am I here? I'm like, I'm 12 years old. I'm riding like this hundred kilo bike. (laughs) I'm like I'm like forty five kilos trying to like you know survive <laughs> trying not to sink. I'm like, what am I doing? It's only it's only when you reflect back on those moments, yeah. you know, it's only when you think back and you're like, you're an idiot.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. That was like, did you see? Um, there was Hatter twenty nineteen. Um, I don't know if you've seen a bit of that, but that was a massive mud pit, like. That ended up getting cancelled halfway through. There was bikes literally drained from like the shrouds down it was just mud and like you couldn't walk and it was just like a massive dam, the whole track.
0: It was crazy. <laughs> Sounds lovely. Just a just a free mud bath. I know.
1: I don't know why we went back to be honest after that. But
0: <laughs> So what's what's your end goal for, you know, your motocross you know, desert racing career. Do you want to go back overseas? Do you want to, you know, just dominate here in Australia? What's, what's your, what's your visions? What's your plans?
1: I mean, it. I've always wanted to go back to America. I think over there is where it's at. I've, I've never been to Europe. Um, I don't know what it's like over there, but I've just found, I just found I just gelled with the Americans so well. I mean, they love Australians, so it's obvious why they gelled with me. But, um, but I just found it was so fun they're so cool over there like they're just nuts and that's sort of I'm a bit like that I'm a bit nuts and um and I'd love to do that again even I don't even like not even just Loretta Lynn's just some of the races over there just one-offs um I've got a fair bit of work to do before I do go over there um I'll just if I get I want to I want to put some good time into motocross and see how we we end up and if if we're going pretty good we might we might send it overseas but Um, I have always thought since going seniors of doing coaching, um, I've had a few people interested in it and I've never really committed to it. Um, I had, um, a couple offers when I was younger to do some coaching clinics and everything like that. And I think that's the way to go, um, for women in rotor Um, if you're not racing and if you're not winning in Australia, I think, um, to make good money out of it. I think coaching and being an ambassador for women for the sport is um how you progress in the sport without racing. So um, I, I, so that's always interested me massively. Um, But, yeah, we'll see how we go. I think next year will be the tester for us and pave the way for the future, I guess.
0: Yeah, awesome. Have you ever thought about doing any other forms of motorsport? You know, maybe asphalt? maybe a bit of circuit, ra- circuit racing, any other interest? Yeah. I, um, I did do road racing for two
1: years when I was, oh, I don't even know how old I was. It was like 2012 or something like that. And that was fun, but that that's expensive. And I think that was the only reason why I didn't do it was <laughs> because it was so expensive. And, and there, I was a junior then, so there wasn't a, a massive um, community for juniors in road racing back then um for australia um i don't know what it's like now but um my dad's background is v8 he loves it um and i used to go to we used to go to bathurst every year when i was younger i have so many cool memories there and my, when i um started racing um every weekend he started missing Bathurst and V8s. So he's stoked that I'm um, seniors and can go racing by myself and he can watch V8s. But I think his dream was always for me to go into that aspect <laughs> and, and not motocross. I think he'd absolutely have a ball. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think if, if the opportunity came up, I'd, I would jump for it. I think I think that'd be sick. I um I was pretty young but I remember they had like a trailer, like a police trailer with um a heap of computers for PlayStations and stuff like that. So we used to hang out there, um, watch uh playing there and playing cricket with the cops and, and on the park. But I remember I was a massive Lounge fan back then. Um Everyone's a Lounge I fan. To, I know. I used to have all the merch. I am a um, die-hard Ford girl. So when he did go Holden, I was like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, then I think that was about the time where I started getting pretty into motocross. So my focus converted. And then um, I think the last couple years that McLaughlin raced in Australia, I got back into it and watched him. He's next level. I loved watching him, actually. Um, and then, yeah. I mean, I, I think – It'd be pretty cool to do that. I know, um, I, I don't know, I think I think it'd be unreal.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty awesome sport.
1: Oh, yeah, I see your Instagram and stuff and I was like, that'd be cool as.
0: It's cool. even just sick to work <laughs> in it, you know? Like, it's even just cool to be a part of the, the travelling circus.
1: I was going to say, that'd be a selling point for me, going around. I think that's a selling point for the sport in general. Like, motorsport takes you all everywhere around Australia and it's so cool um you go places that you'd never even imagine existed like who knew you'd be gonna happen <laughs> like I didn't even know that place existed
0: <laughs> seriously people tell me about like I meet people from all around Australia and they tell me about places they grew up and stuff and my instant correlation is if there's a motorbike track there like I was talking to someone, they're like, I'm oh, from yeah. they're like, I'm from Nara. I'm like, oh there's a cool motorbike track in Nowra. Or they're like, I'm from Horsham. I'm like, oh there's a cool motorbike track in Horsham. Or they're like, I'm from Bunbury. I'm like, oh there's a cool motorbike track in Bunbury. Like that's the only ability I've got to like I suck at geography yeah. and my, you know, my exit my my level of geogra- geographical skills. Can't even say the word. My level of geographical skills <laughs> In Australia, is based on whether there's a motocross track there or not.
1: Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And if you've been there, and you can tell us like what the soil is and everything,
0: <laughs> or a car track, if there's like yeah. a, a car racing track or a motocross track, that I will know where it is. Other than that, I've got yeah. nothing. Someone will be like, "Where's this place where there's no motorbike or no car track?" And I'll be like, "No idea, mate. Got no clue." You're yeah. asking the wrong gal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm the same. I'm the same. Alright Danielle, it's been absolutely awesome to have you on as a guest for the Girls on the Grid podcast. Really excited to see what you've got coming up. I definitely know that you'll be doing Think next year because you just you just won't be able to resist. Maybe don't do both though. Just go and try and like, you know, run with Toby in the in the bikes or something like that. Just go and beat him. He's no one anyway right? So. I think um
1: I don't know. I think it'd be pretty cool to do it again, but you'll like do it again. In the, like in the double.
0: You'll Don't do it again. Really for sure.
1: The to get the, a Can Am up and back with no mechanics, mechanical issues is. That's a feat a, a in, itself. Win in, itself, in so. itself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, those things. You see so many down that track on
0: race day. Just race abandoned. Day. Just abandoned somewhere on the side of the road.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the idea has popped up a few times since we've done the double of upping it up in the game and doing a trophy track, which.
0: That oh, would be sick. I don't know. You'd
1: have to pay me some big bucks. You'd have to pay me to do that because really. Thing... Oh, they're massive. Oh yeah, they're scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this girl does it on a bike with no cage, and then as soon as she's got a cage, she's like, "Nah, that's too scary. I don't like that." You would. Yeah, you oh, would get no. some speed up though. You would. You would be hooning along that.
1: Oh yeah, I mean. Like, you look at it and I, it looks so smooth, so I don't know why I'm scared. I think it's just the, the height. Yeah. I'm not – I mean, I'm not, I mean, not I'm scared, not scared of, heights, of heights, but they're so big. big. Like, like my, the height of me is the height of the wheel.
0: But the suspension is so good. It would, like, be – like, you wouldn't even – surely you wouldn't even really feel any bumps. Everything could just absorb.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, you watch videos of Toby, and but not even Toby, just, like, the Weekend Warriors, and they're just – it's floating and it's like, that must be so nice. While well, I'm getting banged up on the two-wheeler.
0: Well, that's it. Danielle Ford has just confirmed her entry to Fink in 2023. I'm, I'm calling it. I'm calling <laughs> it here. Truck. On a trophy truck. In a trophy truck, exactly. I need a GoFundMe page. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we can start that. We can start that. Girls on the Grid. It's got to be a full Girls on the Grid wrapped car though happily happily and we do like a full wrap in the pink and purple that'd be mad oh could you imagine maybe one year let us get actually paid for this podcast first and then we'll talk
1: (laughs) perfect all right we'll we'll, um come back to that let's flag it as a future potential
0: (laughs) perfect (laughs) all right danielle thanks so much for coming on thanks for having me huge thanks to danielle foot for joining me for that fun chat can't wait to follow her journey uh, for think next year and seeing how she goes in the pro mx it's really cool to see girls you know trying really exciting things and succeeding on the motocross stage and you know just makes me a little bit happy inside so that is it from us this week on girls on the grid next week episode 30 stay tuned we actually can't believe that we've made it this far and we thank you so much for listening and for your support so far we are only getting started so let's go You've just listened to another Network R production.